Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev Chris. Chris and David are currently off recording season three. Until then, check back here each week to hear one of Chris's sermons from the archive. This week is on Abraham and Isaac. Enjoy. Everything happens for a reason. You hear this from time to time. A well-meaning platitude that is often said in the midst of pain and uncertainty by someone trying to help. Even Christians get caught up saying it. I was uh, once walking down the street in my collar when a Muslim evangelist came up to me and tried to convert me to Islam. And we walked and talked, um, and a woman came up to us, a woman in tears. She saw that we were talking about God, and uh, she said to us, how can you believe in God? Um, my mother is in that house dying of dementia. He is obviously not real. And the evangelist said to her, God is testing you. He tests to see where our faith lies. And I couldn't help but recoil slightly at those words. Now, I, I believe that we live in a fallen world wrapped with sin and foolish decisions that cause people great pain. I don't believe that God, like a sadistic um, puppeteer, is behind these things. I do believe that God can and does work through situations, however bad or evil, and turn them to good. I believe that he draws good out of evil in a way that only God can do. But again, another caveat. I wouldn't be so bold as claiming that I know exactly how God works the whole time. As scripture says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. God, it seems, does at times allow us to be in situations where human wisdom, logic, and common sense all point one way, and yet God calls us another way And we can't put our finger on it. We just know that there's a pull from him. And we have to be really cautious here and seek wisdom of community. Not being too quick to name it as God, saying we have to go this way. God said. But we also have to be not too quick to reject it. That it's probably not God because in a sense it would seem better for us if he wasn't really calling us that way. I heard a story where a couple in love uh, split up because the guy thought God was calling him to sacrifice his love like Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac. He ended up just causing everyone involved a lot of pain. It was wrong. But I'm also sure that there have been times when God has called someone to lay down something in trust of him so that he would do greater things through that thing, but in fear they have not done it. Today, I want us to look at the story of Abraham and Isaac and see what we can learn. Abraham and Sarah, they longed for children, but they never had any, until one day they were told that Sarah would give birth. God also promised Abraham that through him nations would come. Then they had Isaac, and they were overjoyed. Then one day, God comes and says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah 
sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. This is a monumental request. And how does Abraham react? Well, the request from God in this moment seems to evoke from Abraham love and faith. Where he understands seemingly the foolishness of God is unexplored wisdom. Abraham doesn't doubt God's goodness, but he trusts in his love. And in this moment, Abraham gets a first glimpse of the resurrection. And this request of God, while I'm sure for any of us it would seemingly break us, brings Abraham to the summit of his lifelong walk with God. And he trusts in him. And and what could signify such trust and relationship with God than following such a drastic request? Isaac too comes out of this story well as the obedient son who willingly follows his father's request, even though again, it seems crazy. Now this of course is all a foreshadowing of Christ, the suffering servant. There are other foreshadowings in this story which are really interesting to draw out. So the Mount of Moriah, uh, where this takes place, is the region where eventually Jerusalem is founded, where the city of Jerusalem is built, where the Temple Mound is, and the temple that Solomon builds is built. It is also um, the area of Calvary, the mountain in which Christ himself was crucified upon. There's lots of things going on in this story. And as we progress in the story, we must note at the beginning, that Abraham was convinced that though he carry out this act, God was going to raise up Isaac. The chapter before, so chapter 21, this is chapter 22 of Genesis. Chapter 21, God promises Abraham that it would be through Isaac that the nations would come. And he held to this. He believed in this promise, though God had given him this request. And the writer of Hebrews, in the famous chapter 11 from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith and living in faith. And it it looks to the past people of faith to draw out from them examples. And he says this about Abraham in chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Verse 6 in our passage today, I find really interesting. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. That's what verse 6 says. And then they went up as father and son together. We see here echoes of what would happen with Jesus. Isaac carries the wood that he is to be sacrificed on, symbolizing, in a sense, Christ carrying his own cross. And Abraham carries the fire and the knife, the implements of that sacrifice. We're told the father and the son walk up together. It's powerful stuff that deepens and challenges my understanding of the cross. Isaiah 53 is a famous passage 
the suffering servant, all about Christ, but also reflections of what's going on with Isaac. Now, before I read it, I want to point out that often Old Testament characters like this passage are a foreshadowing or a taste. And there are prophetic signposts to Jesus. So throughout the Old Testament, you have these characters who point towards the fullest revelation of what Jesus will do. So, for instance, Adam walking with God in the Garden of Eden, the first man, the one in which humanity, in a sense, um, is come out of. Adam is a foretaste of Jesus, who is this called the second Adam in Hebrews and is the one who brings salvation to all people. Moses, the one who goes up the mountain and meet God's fa- meets God face to face. The one who stands between God and the people and says, forgive them and if you're going to do anything, take my life. The one who writes the commandments and gives them to the people and feeds them with the manna, all pointing towards the fullest revelation of Jesus, who not only talks to God, but is God, who gives the people a new law of grace, who feeds them not with manna, but with his body and his blood, a foreshadowing. Moses is a foreshadowing of, the, of Christ. Or David, the great king of Israel, who leads his people into victory against the Philistines and their enemies. Christ, the great king, who eventually leaves, leads the people of God against not just Enemies, but principalities, powers, defeats death and sin and the devil, defeats it all. He's a foreshadow of the full revelation of who Jesus is. And here we have this moment between Abraham and Isaac being a foreshadowing of who Christ is. And Isaiah 53 says this, He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shearer is silent. He did not open his mouth. Both the glimpse back at Isaac, who was bound by his father and willingly gets on this thing, but also, more importantly, a foretaste of what Jesus will do. And in verse 10 from Isaiah, we can see something of Abraham holding the knife and the fire, foreshadowing something of the father in this moment of the cross, which is difficult to hold on to. It is difficult, and I just say bear with the tension. I'm not fully understanding it, but it is something that should challenge us in our faith. This says in in Isaiah 53, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Both something of Abraham there, but also looking forward to the cross. So together, father and son, Isaac and Abraham walk up. We have the wood for the sacrifice and the fire. And Isaac says to his father, Father, because at the moment he doesn't know what's going on. He says, Father, where is the offering? We have the wood, we have the fire. Where is the offering? And Abraham famously answers him and says, The Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. The Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. And here at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, we have a clear prophetic message that not only applied to Abraham and Isaac, but ultimately revealing God's plan. The Lord will provide the sacrifice. And if you look at this icon behind, you see 
Abraham's right hand is his knife and the left hand is leaning towards the bush and the thicket where you see a cross and the lamb. And while we perceive the lamb in that moment is what we know is ultimately offered in this story, it is a signpost to the sacrifice that ultimately will be Christ. It's amazing to think at the thousands of years before anything happened, God knew exactly what he's going to do. God himself will provide the sacrifice. In Hebrews 10, we hear about Christ's sacrifice replacing all others. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. As our story comes to its climax, as great stories do, we have this day by day at the beginning, then we have event by event, and then towards the end of the story, we have moment by moment of what is happening. The altar is slowly built. We then move in. You can imagine like a lens moving in, and the Bible talks about how Abraham clasps the knife in his hand. And you can almost see him raising it above his head. And it is in this moment that we read that the Lord calls out in haste, Abraham, Abraham. And there is an urgency that is given in this story. God finally steps in, stopping this wild event and establishing within the very beginning of Judaism a signpost that God does not require child sacrifice from his people. Many faiths and many religions at the time offered children as sacrifices. And though it sounds really terrible, it's what happened. They offered them to the fire. They would burn their children and offer them as sacrifices. And it happened a lot. And at the beginning of Judaism, God sets this up. And then he says, don't do it. And Judaism never did it. And in fact, God often writes in the scriptures, it is abhorrent to me. That, you, that these people offer these practices. Don't do it. So it is an interesting thing to hold and grapple that while God seemingly sets this up, he uses it as a blueprint for the establishment of Judaism that says never do this practice. And Judaism never practiced it, though other faiths and religions at the time did. Let us go back to Abraham in this moment. So Abraham... The angel calls out, Abraham, Abraham, don't. And Abraham says, here I am. And it's really interesting. The great I am, we know in scripture, is God the Father. The great I am. Who are you, Moses says. He says, I am. And here, it's just interesting that Abraham's response is, here I am, to God. And I feel like it's a snapshot of the faith of humanity for all of us. That God sees reflected in Abraham the faith of human beings in which he, Abraham is like, my son, this knife, this thing, obedience to you, here I am, this is my faith. And in that moment, God is like, I see the faith of man. And it's almost like we all step into Abraham in a moment and God sees the faith and he's like, stop, don't do this. I've seen your faith, I will bless you. And eventually, God is the one who provides the sacrifice. The angel says, don't harm the boy. Don't lay a hand upon him. Do nothing to him. That is what the angel says. 
God's character is revealed as ultimately Abraham believed it would be revealed, but he didn't know how. Amazing faith. He believed that God was good. He knew that he was good. He knew his promises. And though this is a crazy situation, he's like, I trust in him. And in the moment it's revealed, don't do it. Don't harm the boy. Don't lay a hand upon him. And then it says this, you were willing to do this to your son, your only son, whom you love. And it's really nice that not only God is highlighting to him and to the reader that he exactly knew what Abraham was doing. Your son, your only son, the one whom you love, you were willing to do this. God sees the sacrifices that are going to be made and he names them. And then he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to through you, the nations will come. And we wrestle with this story and we feel uncomfortable with it and we can try and explain it away. But whenever I come to something in the Bible that is difficult and hard, I hold to the simple truths made plain in the scriptures. And I think that it must lead us to humility. Abraham knew the character of God and he knew that he was good. He knew that he was loving He knew that his ways are often sometimes not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, but we can trust in him. Last week I was praying to God and I was speaking about something that I was troubled by. And and I I had my, my, my hand in my Bible and I was just like, you know, thumbing it or whatever. And I was like, oh Lord, I could do it, you know, speak. And um, I just opened my Bible and I'd had highlighted on the page that I opened up this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I, I don't know what confusing things or, or that you're struggling with at the moment. Maybe you're going through a time, you're like, what is going on? Can I assure you, do not doubt the character of God. God is good. He loves you and he's with you. And in any storm, you can relax into the goodness of God, trusting in him, knowing that as we sang earlier, he's done it all for us and he's nailed it all on the cross. We do not always understand and we may not be in control, but God is good and he loves you. Trust in that. Let us trust in that. Amen. Oh,